0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, for TransUnion's first extra credit card and banking podcast of 2023, where, again, we seek to push insights, not products. And today, I think we're really going to fulfill that promise because we are looking forward to predictions in 2023 for consumer behavior as relates to lending, as well as some additional credit card insights. While on our last podcast of the year, Paul Siegfried discussed with us year-end trends. It also gave us a retrospective look back. Today, we're going to focus on actual market performance and credit card and deposit trends or priorities, essentially a double click, if you will, on credit card, because we have uh, uh, experts that not only can cover uh, broader consumer credit card behavior, but also experts who can cover credit card and deposit trends today. So to that end, we welcome Michelle Ranieri, TransUnion's financial services research and consulting leader, and Kathy Maffey leader of our Argus advisory business, who can provide very deep insight into the card market, as I mentioned earlier. So first let me start with you, Michelle. Welcome very much to our podcast. Really looking forward to hearing what you have to say, but before we get going, can you provide us an overview of your background as well as your role at TransUnion?
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Craig and Josh. It's great to be here. So um, like you said, Michelle Ranieri, and I lead the US Financial Services Research and Consulting. So I've got a few teams here at TransUnion where we do the thought leadership and we develop the market insights by using statistical techniques, macro data, credit data, and then we also do all of the business intelligence and probably the webinars that you see quarterly that come out about all of the trends that we monitor. Um, I've been here for about a year, coming up on my first year anniversary. I was at another credit bureau for 13 years prior to this. I also worked at um, Citigroup for credit card and mortgage and have been at airlines. And um, at the very beginning, I was at USAA. So I've been in financial services and doing analytics and data for over 30 years.
0: That's great, Michelle. So excited you're with us not only today, but at TransUnion in, in general. Let's move next to Kathy Maffey. Kathy, again, welcome. And you know, similar question for you. Can you describe uh, your background as well as your current role within Trangene?
2: Sure, thanks Craig and thank you both Craig and Josh for having me today. Um, I manage the Argus Advisory Business and that is a business which provides benchmarking and consulting services mainly to financial service institutions on the credit card for their credit card business, for their deposit business, personal loans, small business lending, Um, really just going across consumer banking. Relatively new to TransUnion, having just been acquired less than a year ago, um, but you know, very excited to be here. And I had been—I've been with the Argus business for about six years. Um, Prior to being with Argus, I was at Citi for
0: about 20 years,
2: primarily in the cards business as well.
0: Interesting. Uh, To that end, did you guys ever cross paths?
1: I you? worked, uh, yes, I worked on Kathy's team for a, a short while, but yeah, so. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Yes. Wow, I guess I should have uh, read more in my background notes.
2: <laughs> Michelle and I go way back.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good to know. Well, again, welcome to uh, both of you. Before we actually dive into uh, here some of your perspective that we're all anxious to hear. We always like to keep it a little bit light and start with some uh, trivia. So I'm gonna hand it over to Josh who's prepared this month's batch.
3: Perfect, thanks, Craig. And so, Michelle, when we were talking to both you and Kathy asking what topics you, you were interested in and wanted to talk about, uh, Michelle, you said geography. Kathy, you said maybe running. So uh, these are a combination of both. So questions about running with a, a geographic theme. So you can uh, you can work together to come up with the right answer. All right. So after finishing a marathon, which talk show host exclaimed, "Damn, this is better than winning an Emmy." Was it A. Geraldo Rivera, B. Phil Donahue, C. Oprah Winfrey, or D. Jerry Springer? Emmy a. winning. <laughs> Did Geraldo win an Emmy?
0: No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I think she was joking.
3: okay. I mean, I I would love for Jerry Springer to have won an Emmy, too, but I don't think there's any hardware in his closet.
1: (laughs) Oprah?
3: Yes, it is Oprah. Well done. Well done. (laughs) All right, and then the the last one here. Uh, So this annual marathon run in a major Asian nation takes place on an ancient structure that is one of the few man-made objects visible from space. What structure is this?
1: The Great Wall, right? Wall. Correct.
3: Yes. Well done. Well done. It
0: was either that or the pyramids and that'd be a tough race. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: tougher going downhill than it is up. Yep. Um, all right. So, so then I'll, I'll ask both of you just a couple, uh, you know, to add on to your introductions and, and kind of a lightning round here for some, some reactions, um, quick questions. So Kathy, uh, your favorite time of day for running?
2: Uh, very early in the morning
3: nice uh, and how many miles a week
2: a week uh, probably like 25
3: a lot more than I do uh, <laughs> and listening to music while you go
2: no I usually run with a friend I talk <laughs>
3: uh, I thought it was going to be if you listen to this podcast <laughs> and favorite brand of shoe Nike nice all right Michelle I'm just Uh, impressed
1: Kathy can talk while she runs. I'm like,
3: like... (laughs) I can't even talk while I'm walking usually. All right, Michelle, your favorite geographic feature.
1: My favorite geographic feature.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Or type of landscape.
1: I would say huge icebergs.
3: Nice. Nice. And uh, how many continents have you been to?
1: Seven.
3: Wow. wow. Impressive. Yeah.
1: That's all of them in case anybody wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, and and which of those is your favorite? Uh,
1: I, I loved Antarctica. I know it sounds crazy and lots of people go, ooh, it's too cold, I'd never go there. But I would put it above many other places that I have gone. It's beautiful. It's cold. But I have seen a million wild penguins up close. And it's, it's, phenam- it's phenomenal. It is just fabulous to see that terrain and it's clean and the air is clear. I would recommend it to anybody. But
0: amazing. what does a million penguins smell like?
1: A million penguins, a million and one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. And And uh, last question. Uh, what is, what would be top of your list for a country you haven't been to yet that you'd like to go to?
1: Hmm. Um. I have not been to uh, Vietnam, uh, Cambodia yet. So both of those are on my list maybe this year. So I've, I've missed those and I would love to go.
0: Very nice. So let's move into talking market forecasts and let's turn first to Michelle and let's talk about the health of the consumer. And let's keep it um, U.S. focused. Apologies to our international listeners. So what do you see happening, Michelle, with consumer credit health in 2023 and
1: why? So uh, this next year looks like it's going to be a tough year for consumers with um, credit and with their finances. Um, Year over year, we have done a forecast and we're expecting card, personal loan and mortgages all to have decreased originations and to have an increase of delinquencies. So not the direction anybody wants either of those. On the other hand, um, the bright spot is that we are expecting that auto will have an increase of originations and kind of flat to, to slight decrease of delinquencies. And we're expecting that home equity products, probably both lines and loans, to increase originations while we're seeing such a decrease in um, refinances for mortgages. And so, just to elaborate a little bit more on that, there's still going to be financial stress on consumers for the rest of the year. Um, We've seen inflation come down a little bit, so a, a slight relief in cpi in december that came down to 6.5 percent we also saw that the fed decreased their interest rate hikes in december from 75 basis points that we saw several times in 2022 to 50 basis points in december um so really that top level assessment is that um, goods and services with inflation still continuing will be more expensive. And when you layer on top of that, when consumers use credit to make those purchases, that interest rates will make that even more expensive. You know, not the best of outlooks that we're anticipating right now, but um, we've got several scenarios and that was the one that was the most persistent and we're expecting inflationary situations to continue to stress consumers through the end of the year.
0: Thanks, Michelle. I, are there any metrics that you want to opine, opine on to to give us sort of a hard hitting, uh, I guess, insight into what we can see in 2023? Whether it's you know credit scores, level of credit, unemployment, delinquencies—any anything key that you would? highlight as to the upcoming environment?
1: Sure. So, in addition to inflation and interest rates, unemployment is huge. So, unemployment is a huge contributor to whether or not consumers can pay their bills. So, it's a lagging indicator in a whole lot of, of um, macro analysis, but when it comes to credit and to delinquencies, it's the number one predictor of people paying their bills. So um, that's one of the most important things um, that goes with that, though, is the quits rate. So consumers are still quitting their jobs at record rates. And what that means is that there is a, a confidence level in people when they quit a job and go to another job, particularly when it's in an economic stress, um, stress time period, because every knows, I'll say, that when a company has to do layoffs, it is very typical that the last one in is the first one that is out. And so knowing that, and yet still people are electing to change jobs at this time, I think shows that there's a certain level of confidence for them. Um, Also, we do a survey that is the Consumer Pulse Survey that asks consumers, how do they feel about the next 12 months? And in general, they felt like there was going to be a recession. 82% of them said that they thought there'd be a recession coming. But really interestingly, when you ask them, what do they think about their finances and the optimism in the next 12 months of their finances? 52% said that they were optimistic. Drilling down into that a little bit more, 60, like over 60% of people who were Gen Z and over 60% of people who were millennials said that they were more optimistic about next year's finances for themselves. And so I've given this a lot of thought. i have given it a lot of thought. I think that the reason for this is that people who are at the beginning of their careers typically get more Um, promotions, you get more pay increases. You might be changing your job, like we just talked about, more frequently because you're at the beginning of that career. And so you see that there is a path to you making more money next year. Conversely, people who have been uh, more established in their careers don't have those big of changes. They probably don't get as big of a percentage of pay increases. And people who are more established have more invested in the stock market. And they have their retirement funds already set up. And the stock market isn't doing very well year over year either. And so they're probably feeling more of a pinch than the people who are probably younger and newer in their careers.
0: That's great insight. You know, it's really interesting, those statistics from the, I'll call it the Consumer Stated Preference Survey. But that uh, provides some definite food for thought, particularly the differences in those percentages that you quoted. Let's move on to thinking about the consumer credit lending more from a line of business perspective. Is there any particular line of business, whether it's auto, credit card, mortgage, or consumer lending, you think will A, be mo- most challenging? Or conversely, is there one of those uh, lines of business that you think may hold up the best, at least in terms of like, a uh, you know originations or delinquency perspective
1: on the positive side auto looks like it's going to do well it's had a, a a little bit of a rough time not as rough as some of the others um there's been a a little bit of a pullback of originations a lot of that was supply based though because there wasn't as much supply different reasons but a lot of it had to do with the chips over a couple of years not being manufactured and so now we're seeing this start to pick up. And so we expect that originations year over year will increase say four, four four and a half to 5%. And so that's great because they're gonna start to come back a little bit in this next year and their delinquencies are going to look better. So right now they're sitting at about 2%. We expect that that'll have a 6% decrease and get down to about 1.9%. So we're we're anticipating that auto is going to have a better year than the other products or lines of businesses. Now, the one that's probably, I, I would say the most challenged this year, I would say that might be the personal loans, unsecured personal loans. So originations have had some really high peaks in originations in the last couple of years, but we've, we're going to see a decrease in originations this year, both in terms of a decrease in the middle of the year and the year over year is going to be down probably about 13%. Mm. And so um, I think that that's going to be Based on, I mean, it was statistically derived, but I think that that's also based on delinquencies that we've already seen and that lenders start to kind of slow down a little bit when they see a lot of delinquencies. The delinquencies that we see right now for personal loans is in the 4% range, and we're expecting year over year for that to increase so that at the end of 2023, that will be up to about 4.3% which is about a 5% increase. And so we think that um, personal loans are going to have a challenge.
0: That's a lot to think about, particularly, um, it's great to see auto coming back, um, but you know, personal lending, and I think even to some extent, card, that are going to be a, a, a little more challenged. And obviously, everyone knows the mortgage story. Um, thank you, uh, Michelle. That was fantastic. I do have uh, one other question for you. And this is Maybe an unfair question, but you know thinking qualitatively, not looking at the numbers, are there any I'll call them Black Swan risks that you're looking at that really could impact you know the economy, whether it's geopolitics or um, you know health or something like that? Is there anything out there that we should be looking at?
1: Yeah, um, that's that's a good question. So um, the thing that I would say is one of the biggest drivers though. Um, that could be a i'll say a black swan meaning that it might not be foreseen and that could surprise us is um unemployment and and it's been seen before so particularly in the great recession that one of the things that really threw off a lot of people's um, models in addition to valuations of houses <clears throat> and some other things that were really specific to that market is that the unemployment ranges went to went to levels that were not even in anybody's levers as you're doing these models you'll kind of push a level you'll say lever you'll say hey our assumption is unemployment might go up to whatever say in in hours it went up to like 4.8 percent by the end of the year is our assumption and the lever that we pushed but if that goes significantly higher if that started to unravel um to a higher level than 5%, or if it went higher in the middle of the year, even if it settled more at the end of the year, the repercussions that I think that we would see as an industry would be high. So the delinquencies would certainly be much higher than what we have forecast. And in turn, I think the originations would also suffer because lenders would um, encounter a market that they weren't anticipating and slow down.
0: Excellent insight there, Michelle. Um, one thing we really didn't touch on, and it worked out quite well, is is credit card and deposits. So, to that end, we have Kathy here, and I think uh, Josh is going to walk through some questions with Kathy. Josh, turning it over to you, and Ca-
3: Kathy. Yep. Perfect. Thanks, Craig. So, Kathy, hearing Michelle's forecast, I'm I'm curious. Maybe to start, do you think that's that's where the the card issuers are that you work with day to day in terms of what they're expecting or are there things that were in Michelle's forecast that you think they'd find uh, surprising?
2: You know, I think most of the card issuers are expecting what um, Michelle was speaking about. Um, you know, I think we've even seen in the the most recent earnings results that came out, they are starting to increase their reserves. Um, and they're expecting to see losses starting to rise, and we're starting to see the actual loss rates on the card portfolios rising slightly. Nothing at all drastic or nothing at all to be alarmed about right now, but starting to tick up a little bit, and primarily in the riskier segments, um, not across the entire um, book of business, if that makes sense. So, you know, yes, the answer to your question i think the expectation is there that will there will be a little bit more stress in the uh in the business as we go through this year
3: so kind of in in reaction to that so loss rates may be going up a bit and and again to your and in, in more so in some pockets than others but uh i assume the customers are, are still looking to grow and think about how they they drive profitable results so how are they how are they planning or what are they doing and you mentioned reserves as well but but beyond kind of uh, on the, the risk side, to looking to to growth, what are they doing? Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I'd say they are, they are all still planning growth, right? So I am not hearing or seeing this huge ret- retrenching um, in the marketplace, but I would say the issuers are being a lot more targeted and segmented in terms of where they are looking to grow. So there's a lot more diligence being placed on um, you know, credit criteria and acquisition strategies to make sure that they're actually going after the right segments of the population where they would have the uh, the best chance at the highest levels of profitability and, you know, not have as much stress from a risk perspective.
3: That, that's helpful. And it, one of the things that that you and your team do kind of on a day-to-day basis is engage with some of the senior most leaders at issuers and, and have some really detailed conversations on strategies and, and what you're observing. So um, I'm curious thinking about you know, what you just mentioned and Michelle's forecast. Are there any places where you see folks you know, a little unprepared for the year ahead or, or some of the challenges that lay around the corner?
2: You know, I don't know whether I would call it unprepared, but I will say there are um, you know, certain issues that might have had some um, ideas about expansion or coming up with different types of products um, that they may not move forward with right now in this market. So like I said earlier, there's still the desire for growth, but not going into um, as much of a riskier type of strategy, but really playing it safe in terms of where they want to get that growth. But I do think they find it to be very important to not pull back so much. You know, if I think back, you know, Michelle made mention to the Great Recession, I think the issuers that had the hardest time back then are the ones that retrenched so far, they couldn't come back from it. So mm-hmm. I think everybody learned from that experience.
3: And it feels like, you know, to push a little bit on that and, and thinking about the various types of issuers that 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 you work with and that are out there generally, but but doing that would be much easier if I'm an issuer focused on you know super prime consumers with with lots mm-hmm. of available liquidity and things versus folks focused on a, a near prime portfolio where you may be seeing some of the um, the stress right now. But what does that what does that look like, I guess, in continuing to move forward, continuing to grow, but doing it smartly? Um, you know, that one issuer type versus another, or or you know, do you see that? desire to keep growing and, and keep lending as yeah, somewhat we have uniform. Had
2: com- yeah, I mean, we've had conversations with some of our near prime issuers where they're looking to start going a little bit more prime, <laughs> you know, so we're having conversations to say, all right, how do we grow, but in maybe a slightly different place than we've been in the past, and pulling them up into a, you know, a better risk um, universe. So that's, Just a- that's what they're doing.
3: Kind of insulate a little more diversified that's right yeah you know, mm-hmm. that
2: ba- balance out the portfolio a little bit
3: got it so kathy one of one of the things that that um in addition to card you spent a lot of time looking at deposits and mm-hmm. and um have tremendously detailed data on on spend and all kinds of things uh so i'm curious how how are deposits holding up? And we saw data over the course of the pandemic years about all the success liquidity people had and and mm-hmm. you know, consequently that the banks were from a balance sheet standpoint. What's that look like now?
2: Yeah, I would say that deposits are still growing. I mean, the, the deposit um, strength is still there. Um, the difference that we're seeing now, unlike in the COVID time, right, where you know deposits went into a, a financial institution and stayed there, because of the rate environment we're in right now, there's a lot of movement, right? So banks are looking at, you know, inflows and outflows of their deposits because customers are not just parking their their deposits in one place. So that's the the biggest change that we're we're seeing at this point.
3: Given that, Kathy, where are some of the biggest opportunities if I'm if I'm sitting on top of a deposit portfolio now, where do you see people focused in terms of who they're marketing to or what they're trying to do with that deposit portfolio?
2: Yeah, a couple of different things. I mean, there are um banks that are out there looking at, you know, different types of products. Um, you know, lots of products out there now without the overdraft fees and things like that so that they can kind of attract um, you know, the better customers. There's also, you know, particularly for some of the um, you know, the bigger banks. And even even super regional type banks really looking at that total customer Perspective. So, really trying to focus on that customer where they have multiple products with the bank. So, how do they really make it attractive for the person to have a card and a checking account and a you know a savings account and keeping that customer um, loyal to that specific financial institution? There's a big, um, big focus and emphasis on
3: that. And do you think that people kind of given up on the checking account as being a profitable product and said, OK, you know, the given what I've given up on the overdraft fees and everything, this is just this isn't going to be the money maker, And so I've got to cross sell and, and have that fuller relationship. Yeah, or? you know,
2: I don't know that that's the only reason for the cross sell. Um, I think even without the um, stress on the profitability of the checking account itself, it always was most profitable to have multiple relationships with an individual. So, I, you know, I think that that uh, will continue to be the case, and, and banks will continue to try to grow that multi-relationship customer.
3: Kathy, anything else that's top of mind as you think about the conversations you're having on deposits, on cards, with customers? You always find it fascinating what, what they're asking about or some of the, the topics that are top of mind for customers that we haven't touched on here.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it really is all about that balanced growth. And and the profitability, how do they keep the revenue up and continuing to grow? Because that's been you know always been a challenge. We're seeing a lot more activity now, even in the balance transfer space. Um, so still looking to grow those balances, um, just to make sure that they have an ongoing you know revenue stream. Um, you know, and and for a while that had been a challenge, and it's you know payment rates were so high they were struggling to keep revolving balance. So there is that constant um, focus and emphasis on, you know, lifting that revenue. So it's that balance, right? You gotta worry about the, the credit loss, obviously, but, you know, building the revenue is just as important.
3: That's such an interesting, I mean, it, it just the, that paradox, right? And that, that in, in some ways of, well, if well, consumers are stressed or are going to be feeling a little more stressed. Do I wanna pull on, you know, a larger mm-hmm. balance from someone who's revolving, but at the same time, that pressure to grow balances Yeah. And, Uh, you know,
2: from a credit card business, the most profitable piece of a credit card portfolio is sort of that middle tranche, right? So you're not your real super, super prime, but you're not your, you know, very, very risky either. It's really, if you can really manage and build within that middle, that's kind of the sweet spot. Mm -hmm.
3: No, this has been great. I I appreciate the perspectives, Kathy and and Michelle. This is, um, it's got a lot in here that I think people listening to this will find valuable.
0: I'll, I'll jump in on that. And again, thank you um, for giving us a great look forward into 2023. Maybe not always the trends and the, the forecasts we want to hear, but, you know, we need to hear what, um, you know, the experts are thinking. So thanks again. And at some point in the future, maybe this time next year, we'll have you back and it'll be uh, perhaps a bit rosier view then. That's right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank both. you.